Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Why don't we just raise our hands and call on that name? Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, we have to have faith in that name. We got to have our confidence in that name. Hallelujah. Yes, that that name still makes darkness tremble. That name, hallelujah, the mention of that name, demons still tremble. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, every disease is subject to the power that is in that name. Every illness, every sickness is subject to the power that is in that name. Hallelujah. No kingdom, no government that has ever been established is greater than that name. Yes, Jesus, we pray the name of Jesus tonight. Our strength is in the name of Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. We're going to ask our ushers to come. (coughs) Amen. Lord, we thank you right now for the opportunity to give to the work of your kingdom. I give and it shall be given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Amen. I am blessed coming in and going out. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead if you would right now receive the offering. Amen. And uh, the children, after the children put their $100 each in, they're dismissed. Amen. Kids are dismissed to go back to the move. Looks tonight like they're going to have lots of room to move. I know we got a lot of our families that are out of town this week. Amen. And uh, youth are dismissed. Where are you all going tonight? What do you all say we join the youth tonight? (laughs) Well, it's not going to have as much fun in here as Sweet Frog, but I'm going to get my Bible. Hey, Amen. Wow. It's just a very intimate setting tonight. That's what you say when it's a small crowd. You say intimate setting. It sounds better. <clears throat> Amen. I, I don't have a text necessarily tonight to read. Uh, I'm more so just kind of want to talk to us a little bit. Amen. My wife has been doing a great job on Wednesday nights. I've enjoyed her teaching. And, uh, amen. She, I can tell you firsthand, she's good at helping build a strong family. Uh, she's done most of the work in our home. And most of that is just, she, she's very biblical in everything that she does. She loves the Word of God. And so I've enjoyed her coming up and uh, sharing with you guys just the Word of God and also some practical things. And I have you a few weeks ago, she talked about the personality types and uh, sometimes just knowing what makes us tick and the people around us, you know, we're not all the same and a lot of times we expect everybody to think like we think and act like we act and when they don't, we get frustrated with them. I'll tell you what's worse than, what's more frustrating than people around you not thinking and acting like you is as if everybody thought like you. 
I mean, if everybody acted like I do, I know, I know we think, well, that'd be the great, greatest thing ever. <laughs> Amen. It would not. It would not. So thankful God gives us variety. Amen. And the church is stronger because of our variety. It gives us, we have people that come in and they don't all think the way I think. They won't all connect well with me, but you'll be able to connect with people I won't be able to connect with. Amen? And so we need, we need each other. We need the balance of our differences. Uh, I was recently in a church, and we may try to employ something of this nature, but it's a, a church of, of, a large church, but they use, um, there's all kinds of these different personality type um, I don't know what's the word tests or yeah tests we'll call it a test where they um, there's ones that they tell you you're different like animals they have one that's a four different animals lions and otters and brother Bruce is like yeah that's me <laughs> um, I don't know anyway golden retriever I think is one of the animals and based on what your personality type is you're a golden retriever or a lion. Some of you right now are thinking about people around you. Like, I don't know what they are. An otter. I think otters are busy always doing work. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave that one alone. We'll, we'll move on. Um, but anyway, this church, there's also a color personality. So gold, orange, blue, and I don't know the, the four colors. But they're all built around four different classifications or differences in people. And they actually, all of their church leadership actually have badges with the, what colors they are. So when you're talking to somebody, you keep that in mind. Okay, I'm talking to a blue right now, so I need to, they're not hearing anything I'm saying. Or, you know, anyway, it just, better ways of communicating with one another. Um, anyway, that has nothing to do at all with what I'm going to talk about. I was just wanting to say that I really enjoyed my wife's teaching on Wednesday nights. And we do. We, we're, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket, and that's the basket that I believe Jesus put, that he intended for it, and that is the family. I believe that if we can, if we can raise strong families, if we can uh, build our homes to be strong, the church will be strong, amen? If we can empower our families to be, so it's not just we can come to church to get spiritual, but we go home to be spiritual, amen? We come to church to get renewed and strengthened and direction, but we go home, and that's really where we get stronger is in our homes, and if that happens, then the church is going to be so much stronger, and our impact in the community is going to be stronger. So at the beginning of the year, um, I share with you the vision for the year, and I don't know that it's just going to be a yearly vision. I think it's going to be more uh, the vision of this church moving forward, and that was threefold. First of all, that was to strengthen and build our families, right? And we've, I hope you can see in the different things that we're doing from Wednesday night teaching to what our children are doing right now, the worship on Sunday morning with our kids coming up here, the papers that they fill out on Sunday while the preaching is going on. all of, It's just a bunch of little things that we're doing with one intention, and that is strengthening and building our families. Hopefully that's your desire, that your family will be stronger. Now, if you're, if you're an individual, if you're, uh, you know, I know some of you are like, well, I'm single, Pastor. Am I left out of Living Hope's vision? Absolutely you're not because you're a part of our family. All right, just because you're an individual, you're still part of this family, amen? So I don't want you to feel left out because that's the second part of the vision, and that is to strengthen and build this family, to build up the Living Hope family, amen? We want to strengthen the body of Christ. And then how many of you remember what the third part of the vision was? What was it? 
22 families, right? Reach the families of our community. All right? So th- those are the three elements of our vision. And so t- tonight, more than a theological Bible study, I really just want to talk to you from my heart, kind of reflecting back to the vision, and also knowing that Easter Sunday, we're going to have families that are going to be coming on Sunday, and we want to be ready for them. Amen. So I want to kind of look at those three elements of vision, but I want to look in reverse because the vision is coming to pass. Michelle uh, Henderson had put a message, uh, sent out a message about uh, the other day, I think it was at her daycare. Some, one of the families of her daycare came in and was asking questions about the church, something to the effect of uh, asking about speaking in tongues and a few other questions that she had. And uh, the mother that was there was just talking about how concerned she is about what's going on in our nation right now and how our families are, are being neglected, how people are, it almost feels like it, it is, the family is under attack. And that, that lady was not a church-going lady, but she realized that there is an attack that's coming against the family. It's not just, you know, I didn't have some epiphany where I just woke up and all of a sudden I saw family being written across the sky. And I'm aware of what's going on in our community, but I'm also aware that the Spirit of God is saying, if we'll reach the families, we'll fill up this church. If we'll build strong families, amen, we won't have room. This, this building isn't big enough for what God wants to do but we've got to mean that. It's one thing to say, yeah, we, we're for the family. But it's another thing to come in on Wednesday night and get a hold of God and intercede for lost families. All right? It doesn't, doesn't mean anything if we say, yeah, we, we're praying for the families if we don't ever really pray for families. Wednesday night and Sunday morning, I say Wednesday night primarily, is our time to come together as a church and intercede. How you know it's hard to intercede passively? I mean, you know what intercession is? Intercession is standing in the gap. Intercession is, intercession is what Jesus Christ did when he came in the flesh. He interceded for humanity. He did something we could not do. That's what intercession is. It's when we put ourselves in the place of somebody else. There are people out there right now that don't even know they need to pray. They don't even know how to pray. And so the church has got to stand in the gap for them, and it's hard to do that passively. So if our vision is truly to reach the lost families of this community and to intercede for them, guess what? We gotta show that. We gotta come on Wednesday night and we gotta get a hold of God, all right? We need to pray like there is an urgency in the spirit, all right? We gotta come in here and get a hold of God for the families in this community um, because the vision is coming to pass. We're already seeing it. Our vision at the beginning of the year was 22 new families. And, you know, I don't know mathematically where we're at right now, but I, I know at least four new families that have uh, become members in fellowship that weren't as of December of last year. So already, we, we said 22 for the year, and we're already four new families that have come in, and, and, and there's more families that are coming. So the, the vision is going to come to pass. How many of you believe that? Four of you? Two, anybody excited about that vision coming to pass? Amen. I think sometimes we get so used to casting vision that doesn't come to pass that, you know, we don't really have the expectation that it's going to. I think this, we're on, we're on the right path this, this year. We are on the right path, and, and God is going to, I, in fact, I think the only lamentation I have, the only uh, regret that I have is maybe we should have set the bar higher. I just, you know, 22 is good because of 2022, but I, I don't think 
I think maybe we're limiting God with that number. I, I think 40 could be a better number, 40 families. Amen? Because here's what happens. We're already seeing it happen. You get one family comes in, and they start seeing what God is doing. You know what they're going to do? They're going to start telling their friends, all right, because they haven't yet become sterilized as many of us have, right? We come into the church, and after a while, the only friends we have are church family. And I, I don't know I'm saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's what happens with time. But those families are coming, right? The woman at the, at the well that Jesus met with, right, her friends, she didn't go 12 to 12 disciples. Those weren't her friends. She went back and told all her boyfriends. She went and told her neighbors. She went, right, she went and told people that lost people that needed Jesus. And that's what's going to happen when these families start coming. They're going to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. And at first, they may not even know what it was, but they're going to walk in here and say, I feel something in here I've never felt anywhere else. And they're going to go out there and tell their friends, and their friends are going to come, and then their friends are going to go out, and they're going to tell people. It's not just addition anymore. It's going to become multiplication. Amen. I believe that. Uh, Brother Jesus is here with his wife tonight. Amen. And we're going we're to add them in that number of a new family. I know Brother Jesus has been coming, but for 13 years, Brother Jesus has been praying for the salvation of his family. Amen? I asked him before. I, he told me. She told me I could share this. So don't worry. I'm not in trouble. But for 13 years, he prayed. And, and for a lot of that, they were obstinate. They were even in opposition to him inviting them to church. I think her words were they would make fun of him for coming to church. But God's doing something right now in that family. Amen. God's doing something right now in their home, and, and here they come. And God is bringing them. And we need to celebrate that. God is good. And I want to congratulate and commemorate Brother Jesus for not giving up. 13 years of being faithful. Amen. 13 years of just being faithful, and the 13 years, his wife watched him get up Sunday after Sunday and come to church. 13 years, Joseph, I told Brother Jesus this, it was 13 years between the time Joseph had his dream and when he was made the second in command over Egypt. There's something, amen, there's something about that number 13, Brother Jesus, that God sees your faithfulness, amen? And God's going to do a quick work in your family. God's going to exalt, he's going to do a quick work. I know we're praying for some miracles, and I believe God is going to do those miracles. But we don't need to just be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's neat. No, that's not cute. That's a miracle. That's, a, that's a, amen, that's, a, that's the greatest miracle. If we brought somebody up here today and they had half a leg amputated and we prayed and that leg grew back, that's less a miracle than the miracle of Brother Jesus' wife being here tonight. Right? You, you can get to heaven with a half a leg. Amen? But you, you can't get to heaven without the Holy Ghost. And so I want, I want to take time tonight to celebrate what God is doing in Brother Jesus' family. Amen. I want to take time tonight to celebrate what God is doing in the Smith family. Amen. What God is doing in Stephen and Marge. I want to celebrate that. That's years of prayer. Amen. That's years and years and years of prayer. Amen. It's like in the Bible, you know, Simon Peter was in jail. They were all praying for God to deliver him, and then Simon knocks on the door, and they tell him to go away because they're busy praying for him. 
They were too busy praying for him that they didn't have time to celebrate him when he finally got out of jail. And I think we do that the same in the church. We pray for these things, and then when God does them, we don't take time to celebrate it. I think we need to celebrate these things when we see them happening. We're believing for 22 new families. That means every time a new family comes in, we need to celebrate. We need to rejoice. We need to thank God. Amen. Amen. But as these families come in, they're not going to come in looking like Patty Pentecost and religious Reggie. All right? They're not going to come in here. Their values aren't going to be the same as yours when they come. Their definition of family may not even be the same as ours when they come. And I know we want, yeah, we want that husband and wife and two kids and pictures of their puppy dog that's at home, right, and their nice paid-off vehicle. We want them to come to church. And, and I believe some of those will come, but there's going to come some people whose lives are a mess, right? And they, they've got baggage. They've got issues. They've got problems. They're not going to think the way that we think. They don't vote the way you vote. And that shouldn't matter. They're going to come into this church. And they're going to have problems. Amen. And, and the chances are the more messed up our world gets, which happens daily, the more messed up it gets, the more, the more messed up their lives are going to be. And they're going to come in here and sin has left its mark on them. But we have to choose what our response is going to be to them. What is our response going to be when that family walks in here? And it's evident just by looking at them that they don't think the way you think. And they got problems, and you can tell it by just looking at them. All right? And you can tell it by just a conversation with them that they're, they don't have a religious background. They're, they're hurting and they're in pain, but they're concerned about what's happening in our world. So they're running to a place. And we've told them, hey, we're for families. We're, we're putting the word out there. Hey, we're fighting for families. And so they're coming. They don't know that you're... Oh, I thought you meant you're fighting for all families, not just religious families. No, we're fighting for all families. But we have to decide what are we going to do when they walk in here. And their definition of sexuality isn't what yours is. I'm not, I'm not, we're not letting down what we preach, okay? So don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm still going to preach, you know, homosexuality is a sin and fornication is a sin and adultery is a sin but I'm going to preach every one of those in love. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Well, we're going to preach those in love. We, we, God can forgive and heal the homosexual. He can forgive and heal the fornicator. He can forgive and straighten out the adulterer. He can do it. And so we're going to... But we have, And I know it, you know, I, well, when, I, when you say that, Pastor, we have to decide how we're going to, what we're going to do when they come in we think the only option that we might have is to shun them. That's what pastor's saying we shouldn't do is shun them. I am. We should not shun them. The other thing we can't do is join them. All right? Just because they come in messed up doesn't mean that we're going to say, well, you're messed up. I might as well be messed up too. All right? No, we, we love them, and we pray for them, and we worship with them, and we allow the word of God to work in them patiently. Amen? Patiently, we, they're not going to come in one Sunday and the next Sunday everything's straightened out. They're not going to walk in one Sunday and come to the altar. Hopefully they do come to the altar and they cry and pray and they get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. But that's a process. 
Amen. It's not always even. I've, I've known people that got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and still had problems in their life. I know a lot of them. I know one of them that's holding the microphone right now. So they're going to have problems still, but we're going to be patient with them and we're going to love them. Amen. So we talked about on Sunday the example of Jesus in Zechariah 9.9, right? Jesus came to Jerusalem riding on a donkey, right? He came humbly. He came with a, a sign of peace. I came to bring peace. I came in, in a peaceful way. I'm not here in judgment. That's what he was saying. I'm not here in judgment. He came lowly. He was making a statement, not a political statement, but a saving statement. He was not coming to, he's saying, I'm not coming to exact judgment, but I'm coming to extend mercy. He was coming to save the lowliest of all sinners. Amen. And if we aren't careful, after we've been in church for a while, and we got a few things together, right, we want, we want, now we want a king riding on a horse, right? We want Jesus with the sword. We want that Jesus. Come and take care of this wicked world that we live in. Come and you know, all these messed up people, you take care of them, right? We want a king that is coming to strike down wickedness and crush the, anything that opposes his righteous kingdom. But remember where you were when Jesus found you. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come riding into your world on a horse with his sword out? Aren't you thankful that he came riding into your life on a donkey with humility? Amen. Not looking to execute judgment on you, but giving you an opportunity, giving you grace and mercy. Aren't you thankful? Amen. Jesus ate dinner with those that the religious crowd would have never eaten dinner with. Matthew 11 and 9, 19 rather, says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, that's what they said about Jesus because of the crowd he was hanging out with. Matthew 8, 1 through 3 says that when Jesus came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And I know for us, this is just another Bible verse, but if you put that into the culture, this was a shocking verse that people of that time would have had trouble with. Because Jesus put forth his hand and touched the leper, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leper was made whole. He was cleansed. Jesus touched people that the religious world wouldn't touch. Jesus had dinner with people that the religious world wouldn't have dinner with. Jesus met with them. Jesus ate with them. Jesus touched them. Amen. Luke 7, 37 through 39. Behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner... Everybody say she was a sinner. Say she was a filthy, low-down sinner. Amen. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. And the, the religious people, the Pharisees, when they bidden him, saw it, that Pharisee said to himself, anybody ever meant to talk to yourself but you said it louder? I don't know if that's what happened. My daughters, I don't think this is true, but my daughters say that I talk when I eat. My wife says, they say I sing actually, they say I hum. I guess I just enjoy food that much. Anyway, 
That's what this guy did. He spake within himself. He thought it was to himself, saying it, if, if, look about Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of lady this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. And I'm not going to read on, but Jesus basically said, told the guy, I heard you. Right, you weren't talking as quietly as you thought you were, or worse, he read his mind. Right, but, but the problem this guy had was that a sinner was touching Jesus. Listen, when they come into church, you may find out things about them that are troubling. You might find out that they're involved in lifestyles that are ridiculous and sinful and dreadful. You might even know things about them. Oh, I know that person. I know that person. And we might be appalled and astonished by this. But we have to understand, this is where they need to be. Amen. I know they're a mess. I know, I know they're sinners. I know that they're in sin. But this is where they need to be. And when they come in, we've got to love them like Jesus loved them. Come on, we, we need more hand claps than that. That's number one. We need to love them. Tell your neighbor we got to love them. But that's not the only danger is that we would shun them. In 2003, linguistic experts from the University of Texas at San Antonio set out to observe the fading dialects and accents in North American, primarily metropolitan cities. So they were studying that within these cities, down in Dallas where they used to talk with the Texas twang, they weren't talking like Texans any longer. And up down in Atlanta where they used to talk with that Georgia drawl, they weren't talking with that Georgia drawl any longer. And up here in Maryland where they used to drink water, they weren't drinking water any longer. They were losing their accent. And so these two professors, Guy Bailey and Jan Tillery, conducted an extensive study on why these accents were fading, why the accent was gone. They came to the conclusion that primarily younger generations are losing their accent for two reasons. One, because people were moving in from the outside of that region and kind of the melting pot of all the different dialects and accents. And so instead of them keeping their dialect, they started talking like those that had come in around them. Secondly, because they started feeling like their accent had a stigma of unsophistication. Right? We don't say wooder anymore. People make fun of us saying wooder, so we're going to stop saying wooder. All right, so that, that, that they, they studied and they came up with those two reasons. Because people that were moving in, they wanted to blend in with those. They didn't want to stand out. And secondly, right, because they felt like their accent, what made them unique, what made them distinct, that people were looking down on that, and so they lost what made them distinct and unique, and they started becoming like everybody else around them. Now, here's the reason that most people didn't touch lepers, because they knew that if they touch a leper, they would probably take on the disease of that leper. That's, why they, that's a good reason not to touch a leper. Right? Most did not eat with tax collectors and sinners for the same reason, because they didn't want the influence of their sin to tarnish their morality. That's a good reason. I think those are valid reasons. Everybody agree? But notice that when Jesus touched the leper, he didn't become the leper. Jesus touched the leper, and he stayed pure. Jesus touched the leper, 
and he never lost his holiness. Amen. Jesus touched the leper and didn't lose his identity. When Jesus sat down and ate with the sinner, he didn't become a sinner. Zacchaeus went and repented. Jesus didn't change to become like those coming in. Jesus remained his, uh, retained his identity, and the people that came in became like Jesus. When that woman, that the Pharisee stepped back and said, if Jesus knew what kind of woman she was, Jesus wouldn't let her. Jesus didn't become a sinner like that woman. He wasn't tempted by her sordid past. Jesus didn't suddenly slip and lose his moral footing. He continued, you know what he did? He kept on being Jesus. He kept on being holy. He kept on being righteous. He kept on standing for what he stood for. He kept on being that picture of godliness and righteousness. And the same is true for the church. We cannot stop being the church. Yes, they're going to come in with messed up lives, but we can't start being messed up too. That doesn't mean we condemn them for the life that they've been living, but we show them there's a better way. Amen. We model for them that Jesus is a better way of living. The alcoholic, just because he comes, I'm not going to join him at the bar next Friday night. I'm going to let him know that you can be delivered from that. Amen. Amen. People with different ideals of sexuality. And, and, and there's so many different ways that that path could go. But guess what? We're not going to take on their perversion. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to keep being godly. We're going to keep being righteous. We're going to keep loving holiness. Amen. Jesus loved them, but he never became like them. And that's what we've got to do as a church. We've got to love them. But we cannot become like them. Y'all receiving that in the spirit in which I'm saying it? I'm not saying we're better than them. We're not. The only thing that makes us, our lives better is the Holy Ghost. It ain't us. It's what God has done. In, and that's, that's why they're coming. They're not coming so that we can become like them. They're coming because they've heard we've got something better. So we're not doing them any good if they come in here and we become like the world they just come out of. We're not going to stop practicing holiness. Amen. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop having a standard. Amen. We're not going to stop with a holiness standard. We're not going to stop worshiping the way we've always worshiped. I'm not going to change the way I preach. We're going to keep doing everything that we've always done. But we're going to welcome them in, and we're going to love them, and we're going to, we're going to touch the leper, amen. We're going to have lunch with the, with the publican, amen. We're, we're going to allow the sinner to, to be able to get a hold of our lives and, and see that there is a better way to live, amen. Amen. So with that being said, it's imperative. Everybody say imperative. It's, it's imperative. That means it's very important that we stay prayed up because you, you're not, you're not, Mentally stronger than any spirit of this world. You think, well, they'll come in with their spirits, but I'm better than that. You ain't better than that. That spirit would chew you up and spit you out just like it did those guys in the Bible, you know, that thought they were all fancy and they started casting out devils. And the devils jumped on them and they went, the Bible says they went running down the street naked. All right? That's what happens when you try to take authority that you don't have. All right? So, What's got to happen is we got to pray like we've never, as they start coming, and they're going to come. They're going to come, one, two, three, four, five, six families, 22 families, 40 families, they're going to come. But if we aren't prayed up, what's going to happen is your children will become a part of what's coming in. 
your children will start adopting the mentality and the ideals of the people that are coming in if you don't pray a hedge around about them. If you don't sit down in your homes daily and remind your children, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and we're going to worship that one God with all of our heart. Here's the problem. If what they're seeing at home is agreeing with lifestyles of this world, and then they see those lifestyles come in, and we haven't condemned that lifestyle at home, amen? We've married up with that idea, that lifestyle at home. Then when that familiar spirit walks in here, our children are going to be linked up with that spirit. So we need to be careful, amen? It, it's not a good thing to pray for revival if you're not prayed up in your home. Because when those spirits start coming in here, if we're not where we need to be spiritually, we will lose our identity. And instead of lepers being healed, we'll all just become a bunch of lepers. Amen. And so I want to encourage us in, the, in this hour, Sunday, I believe there's going to be a great number of guests that are going to come. And we're not going to change who we are. We're not going to dumb down our worship. We're not going to dull down our worship. I'm not going to preach any less passionate than I do every Sunday. We're going to preach the word of God. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to worship. We're going to fill these altars up. We're going to touch the lepers and watch God heal them. Amen. Amen. We're going to, we're going to invite, I'm going to invite some publicans, some some new person to this church. I want to have lunch with them next week, and I hope that about 20 more of you will do the same. And we're going to watch God transform them. We're going to watch God transform, not just add 22 new families, but transform 22 new families. We're going to watch God transform 40 homes and 40 families. And they're going to go back into this community and they're going to bring their families and other families and God's going to transform them too. Amen. So the two things we can't, one, we got to love them. Can't turn up our nose at them when they come in. And I don't think this church has an issue with that. I don't. If it's there, I don't see it. I think we see people come in and they've got all the marks of this world on them from, I mean, you could name it, all the different ways that we can visibly see it. And yet, I feel like this church does a great job at loving people. We're going to keep on doing that. But the other thing is, is we're going to get prayed up. So Wednesday nights, I, I know Wednesday night, I know we got work, and, and, but we, we've really made Wednesday night our time of corporate prayer. Right? We've, we, we don't do the Monday night. We, this is it. Our Wednesday night is our time of corporate prayer. But if we're not prayed up, if we're not where we need to be spiritually, the worst thing we could have happen is 22, 22 new families come in if we're not prayed up. One, because we don't have nothing to give them. So I'm asking you guys to make it an effort on Wednesday nights. Get here at 630 and let's pray together. We got 45 minutes. 45 minutes to get a hold of heaven. 45 minutes to get a hold of God, amen? 45 minutes to, to pray together corporately to make sure that this church is ready, amen? And, and, and Sunday morning, we got, we got about 20 minutes we spend on Sunday morning from 10.30 till about 10.50, amen? That's, I think we can all do that. You say, well, Pastor, 10.20 is early, or 10.30 is early. You guys have been at work for three hours on a weekday, maybe not three, but at least two, you've been at work. It's not that early. I'm asking us to come together and let's pray. These times of prayer is, are, are imperative and they're very important if we're going to do what God is calling us to do. Amen? So I told you tonight was not going to be a deep theological Bible study. I, tried, I, I thought about maybe putting one Hebrew word in there or a Greek word or something. I decided against it. Just, I just want to talk to you from my heart tonight because they are coming. 
They are coming. All right, it's already happening. We're already seeing it. All right, I, again, I don't, Brother Jesus, I'm going to go ahead and add you and, you and your family in there. So that's five families that I know of that we've added already this year. All right, we said it was going to happen. Here it is. God's doing it. All right, now we, we got to be ready that when they come, we're ready for them. Amen. We've got, amen, we got the Holy Ghost to give to them. Amen. We got waters of baptism to baptize them in, and we're going to be patient with them, and we're going to love them, but we are not going to become like the world they're coming out of. We're going to be holy. We're going to be godly. We're going to be righteous. Amen. So I want us to stand together, and I want us to pray together. I want us to pray. First thing I want us to pray is, God, help us to love people the way that you love them. I want us to pray, God, when they walk into this building and they're broken and they're messed up and they come from a messed up world, that we're not going to turn up our noses at them. Amen. We're not going to look down on them and condemnate. We're not going to, if you didn't come on a white horse to judge them, then we're not going to. But we're, we're going to come humbly. And we're going we're to give them grace and we're going to give them mercy and we're going to be patient with them and we're going to love them. How many of you will be willing to let God lead you, amen, to help somebody? If we all will find somebody, one of these new families that's coming in, you know, I'm going to build a relationship with them. Well, I don't have time. Well, a year ago you could have said that. But we've revamped the, the, the schedule enough now that you, can't, you really can't use that one. If you'll take one night a month to connect with somebody, Take somebody to lunch. Bring me the receipt. I'll reimburse you. Don't, don't get the ribeye. Get the sirloin, all right, if you do that. All right? Amen. But let's love on these people. Just saying we love them is empty. Let's love on these people and let them know that we love them and we care about them. So first, I want us to pray that. God, help us to love. Help us to love unconditionally. Help us to love, God. They're broken people. God, our world is full of brokenness now. It's what happens when people turn their back on God. But I'm asking you that, Lord, when they walk into this building and they don't think like we think and, God, they don't talk like we talk and they've come from backgrounds that are different than ours and they're not churched and they're not religious and they don't know the religious vocabulary, God, that we're going to love them and we're going to be patient with them. We're going to preach that we're not going to change who we are, but we're going to love them. God, we're going to love them the way that you do when you saw Zacchaeus in that tree that despised tax collector. But God, you said, Zacchaeus, come on, let's go to lunch. Uh, Zacchaeus, I want to go have lunch with you today, and I want to tell you there's a better way of living. Uh, hallelujah to God. When, Lord, when that leper came, that, Lord, you didn't shun him, you didn't run the other way and say unclean, but you reached out and you touched that leper. God, you showed that leper that you loved him and that you cared him about him, and, God, that you had healing for him. And I pray, Lord, when they walk into our church, they're not just going to get lip service about love. Lord, they're not going to hear a bunch of religious rhetoric about how we love. But, Lord, they're going to feel the embrace of a church. They're going to feel the embrace of a people of God that have been waiting for them. Hallelujah, God, that are praying for them, Lord, that are interceding on their behalf. And, Lord, I pray, the second thing that I pray is that we would not lose our identity, that, God, we would not lose, Lord, our holiness, that we would not lose the identity of a righteous people because our world does not need us to become like them. Lord, they need us to be a peculiar people that we can show forth the praise of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I pray that when they walk in here, oh God, Lord, and spirits are clinging to them, I ask you, God, to put a hedge of protection around about our children. Oh, Lord, put a hedge of protection around about our home 
homes and our families. Uh, hallelujah, that God, we're going to pray and rebuke those unclean spirits. Uh, hallelujah, but God, we're going to pray a hedge of protection over our children in the name of Jesus. And Lord, uh, God, we will not, we will not, we will not lay down the identity of who we are in you, but we will love people as you love them. And through that, we will see lives transformed. God, we will see people transformed. We will see families transformed in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.